We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KCSN. It's the headlines, rumors, stories, and stats people are talking about to get you through the day and caught up with all things Chiefs. Different guests each week with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, proudly presented by DraftKings, begins now. Hello and welcome to today's episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs video and podcast from us here at KC Sports Network. Quick mention, man, I'm wearing the uh, KC Sports Network hoodie. So comfortable, incredible for these frigid cold temperatures we're having in Kansas City. Started to warm up, but it's hoodie season. I'm always going to be wearing this hoodie. You're always going to see me in this hoodie because it's so darn comfortable. Go check it out at charliehustle.com. Search KC Sports Network in there. You can get one of these hoodies and a shirt. We have a shirt like this. It's in Chiefs colors as well. You can get that for yourselves. And super excited to be talking about this Chiefs-Broncos matchup. Not a whole lot to talk about on the field. whole lot to talk about off the field. We talk a lot about the Nathaniel Hackett firing kind of what's next for this Broncos organization because that's a big story in Kansas City, really. you got to think about what, what what's going on in the division with the ramifications, what it means for the Chiefs, Russell Wilson, everything like that. There's a lot going on in Denver uh, not a lot of positives going on in Denver, which is good for Chiefs Kingdom. So uh, I do enjoy my conversation with James Merrillat from 104.3 The Fan in Denver. We sit down and have a great conversation. You'll hear that on the other side of our uh, sponsor read, which is DraftKings. And I've got to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook. And you guys, if you if you know me, you know that I love college football. The fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football. It's bowl season, and the action is far from over. My go-to betting site is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top rated sportsbook apps, not only for the NFL, but also for college football. There's a ton of games going on with DraftKings Sportsbook. You don't want to miss out this bull season. And right now, new customers can place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on a college football team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Go ahead and sprinkle that K-State Moneyline. could be a little bit tasty, and it'd be nice to get uh, $150 in free bets if they do end up winning. Plus, Everyone can combine multiple bets for bigger payouts with DraftKings' same-game parlays. The app is an incredible experience. If you're living in Kansas, got to download that app and got to use promo code KCSN. They've got such good lines. The live lines are great. The the experience overall is just phenomenal at DraftKings. And here's what you got to do. You got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code KCSN. New customers place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on a college football team to win 
and get $150 if your team does. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, joining me now, James Merrillat. James, appreciate you hopping on from 104.3 The Fan in Denver. Lots going on in Broncos country right now that we have a lot to talk about. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, not a problem. You know, this is the second matchup of the season. I talked about, you know, the schedule makers probably thought these uh, two matchups between the Broncos and the Chiefs would be a little bit more high profile than they actually ended up being, making them putting them so deep into the schedule. But, you know, it's second to last game of the season and Broncos coming to Kansas City. Yeah, I think I don't think there's anybody that thought the the January one game would stay in the uh, noon window in Kansas City, the 11 o'clock window here. It was at yep. least going to be the afternoon game, right? And it would be Nance and, and Romo, or maybe it gets flexed into Sunday Night Football the second time in, what, three or four weeks that, the, that Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes would battle. Here they are, just uh, another game on the schedule that, uh, you know, will, will be shown on uh, red zone when the Chiefs have the ball. Not a lot when the, when the Broncos have the ball would be my guess. And we talked about before we before we started recording, there wasn't a whole lot around this game before the the firing of, of Coach Hackett, obviously. And going into this, we were trying to think of like things to talk about, matchups to talk about in this game. But it's it's especially tough too when these teams just played a couple of weeks ago. It feels like we've exhausted all of the all of the storylines to talk about. Nothing has a whole lot changed. But the news it took me by surprise. I'm curious uh, to you, James, kind of what your feelings were around it and around this news well you know at the beginning of the season i was telling people hey if the broncos struggle there's they're going to be changes and people thought it was nuts they're like there's no way they're going to be more patient than that not going to be a one and done coach and i said well it depends on how bad it is right like if they go seven and ten and miss the playoffs maybe it's some assistant coaches and because they had a very inexperienced staff and so maybe they bring in some some guys who have been there done that to kind of help out hack it but if it's a total disaster, the new owners didn't hire Nathaniel Hackett. They didn't hire George Payton, the GM. So, yeah, there could, there could certainly be changes. And it's been a disaster from the get-go, from the opening game with the 64-yard field goal, the loss at Seattle, the, the first home game the following week, the, the home crowd was counting down the play clock. I mean, it has been an embarrassment and, and a disaster from the get-go. When there were 4-10, though, they're coming off of what I've called around here, the moral victory against the chiefs, right? Hey, we only lost by one score. Never mind the fact that they were down 27 to nothing at one point in that right. game. And then they beat the Cardinals with trace McSorley, a third string quarterback. And there was this momentum of like, all right, well, Hackett will probably make it through the end of the season. And if they can beat the Rams on Christmas, beat the Chargers at home in the finale and just be respectable, another moral victory against the chiefs, Hackett might stay. But the Christmas Day game was such a debacle, 51 to 14, never forced the Rams to punt. First time that hasn't happened in a Broncos game in 50 years. Uh, there was the fight on the sideline. There was the fight after the game. I think it was just a matter of, hey, enough's enough. This is not getting any better. It's getting worse. And they felt compelled, the, the ownership group, Greg Penner, uh, at, at the head of it, felt like they had to do something. Very long-winded way for me to say, wasn't surprised because it needed to happen. But until, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the trigger is eventually pulled or finally pulled, you're never quite sure. So it was uh, what I've told people is that the, the Broncos loss on Christmas was a gift. It was a <laughs> gift. They needed to move on from Nathaniel Hackett. It made that 
abundantly clear to everybody. So it, it, it was time. And what's really interesting to me is I didn't really have a Hackett firing on my radar, right? And until I talked to Benjamin Albright a few weeks ago, and he's like, he doesn't think he was going to, he wasn't going to be back next season. I think for me, the fact that came in the middle of the season was again kind of added to that a layer of surprise. But as you mentioned, everything that could go wrong went wrong in that game against the Rams for the Broncos. And it was, it got to the point where I was like, I don't know if he makes the plane right home. I don't, I think they might leave him in LA. Uh, it might be the point. And it was, it was a tough one to watch, especially, you know, as a Chiefs fan, Chiefs fans usually take enjoyment in that, right? Especially after the Broncos had kind of owned the Chiefs for a little bit when they had Peyton Manning. So, you know, we kind of soak this kind of era of golden era of Chiefs football up a little bit, but that one was just like, it just, it just hurt to see, hurt to watch. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And, and, you know, Broncos fans kind of have felt like that uh, about the Raiders back, you know, maybe a decade or so ago where, you know, that's uh, along with the Chiefs, that's the hated rival. But when the Broncos were so good with Peyton Manning and the Raiders were so bad, it wasn't even fun to pick on them anymore, right? Like the rivalry is only fun if you feel like it's somewhat competitive and the Broncos have turned into that team for the Chiefs, right? I mean, it's it's just like, man, at some point, uh, you, you hate you, you almost hate seeing your nemesis get embarrassed that bad because it doesn't make it as much fun when you get to beat him. It's like, well, everybody beats him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there there have been several times this season where you're watching the game and you know you, you're following everybody on Twitter and the sentiment is, I don't know if they'll let him on the plane. They kept letting him on the plane and he kept you know rolling back out there. Probably the one that was the the opportunity to make the change was at their bye week. But it came after the trip to London. They won that game against Jacksonville to get to three and five. So you're like, okay, well, they're kind of still in this, right? I mean, you look at the way the, the league, if you can get up to 500 and, and, and head into December anywhere near that, you're in the hunt. So had they lost that Jacksonville game, they might have made the move then. But that saved him, and most people thought it was going to save him for the entire season. But it was, it was one thing after another. I mean, on our website, we put together stories of, you know, the, the moments that led to it. He only coached 15 games, and there were probably 20 different things that happened. It's like, man, how can you have that many mistakes and that many disasters in such a short amount of time? But, um, you know, I think they wanted it to work out with him because he, he really is a, a good communicator uh, in front of the team by all accounts great presenter kind of has a way of bringing things to life. Um, I think they saw a lot of positives with Hackett, but two things derailed him. One, he put together a coaching staff that was his buddies. You know, it, it, it looked like the, the, the group the, the list you put together for the golf trip to Cabo, right? Like fun, <laughs> but not necessarily who you want to surround yourself with. And if you contrast it with Sean McVay, when he first got the Rams job, he brought in Wade Phillips as his defensive coordinator a guy that's got all kinds of experience, very seasoned, kind of help him through some stuff. This was a staff that everybody on the staff, it was the highest job they'd ever had. So, okay, that's a recipe for disaster. And then the Russell Wilson thing in two different ways. One, it eliminated any runway. He had no right. room for air. Expectations were high. If Drew Locke was their quarterback this year and they were 4-11, and 11, people would say, great, they're going to have the number three overall pick. They can draft a quarterback and we'll see what happens. But once it was Russ, it was like, okay, it's playoffs or bust. And then he gave Russ way too much say. He, he, you know, he looked at Russell Wilson as his lottery ticket, and it was anything but that. So 
Uh, and once you kind of let that genie out of the bottle, he couldn't, he couldn't put it back in. He couldn't reel back in letting Russ run the show. And when you get in front of a microphone in front of the media and say, it's all about Russ, that's, that's not a good thing. And, and that those were ultimately the, the, the items that, that undid him. Yeah. I think the, the Russ signing in, in hindsight, the trade, the signing, it, it kind of the combination of the two was the doom of, of Nathaniel Hackett, right? He was the first year head coach. They didn't give him any runway to kind of grow and learn into that role. And you saw it the very first game, the time management wasn't there. The clock management wasn't there. They brought in, you know, Jerry Roseberg to do the, the clock management time management. Now he's the interim head coach. And it's yeah. one of those things. It's just like, it doesn't feel like any of the staff is going to be here. It just feels like it's all borrowed time at this point, these last two games of the season. Uh, so what are kind of the expectations for the rest of the season? Well, I mean, none. There are none. Jerry Rosberg had his first press conference today. It was a 23-minute rambling mess. I mean, it was it, it was tough to watch at times. Um, you know, he's he has no chance to be the head coach here next year. So it's not even like the players are trying to impress him. I get it. They're trying. They're auditioning for 32 teams every time that they step onto the field, and if the film doesn't lie. But you know what? They were on Christmas Day in L.A. as well, and everybody was watching that. They're the only game on at that point, and that didn't motivate them. So uh, I think the expectation is that Sunday is going to be a total mess. And the following week here, I mean, they probably will get flexed into the Saturday slot in the final week because it will be a game that means nothing. The Chargers could put one on them too. So it's how bad is it going to be this week? And how many no-shows are there going to be in the in the season finale? Because that game's here at Empower Field. That's the expectation. Um, it, it, it's the other trick with the Russell Wilson situation of you don't even have a young quarterback that you can trot out there and say, well, let's see what the kid can do, right? Like that's normally what you do when a, the season is lost, and they don't even have that. So um, the expectations aren't much, and I think it's kind of a, a matter of, well, how ugly can this get? That's the thing I wanted to talk about, too. We hear the news Derek Carr is going to get sat. They're going to play Jared Stidham. The the Broncos don't really have that situation. They got Brett Rippon as their backup quarterback. You're not going to sit Russ for Brett Rippon, especially at this point in the season. So it's one of those things. The Broncos have clearly committed themselves to to Russ. And I think I saw the, a quote that they said that they do think Russell Wilson can be fixed. Um, so we're probably going to see a lot of Russ Wilson, I'd assume, in these these next two games and see kind of what he can do. And I'm, I'm very, you know, kind of, intrigued not only in the coaching position but you know George Patton up at the GM position like the guy who's brought a lot of these guys in hasn't got off on a great start and I don't do you think his job is in jeopardy yeah very much so I mean yesterday uh when Greg Penner and and George met the media um to talk about Nathaniel Hackett getting fired we also found out that the new head coach will report to Greg Penner not to George Payton. So it's a, it's a matter of, okay, well, they're restructuring the football side of the operations. They've taken a lot of the power away from, from George. That tells you a lot. I think he's still employed because you don't know who the head coach is going to be, right? So let's say they hire, hypothetically, Jim Harbaugh. And Jim Harbaugh comes in here and says, well, I want this guy as my GM, kind of like Kyle Shanahan did when he went to San Francisco and said, I want John Lynch. Well, then George is out. If they hire Dan Quinn, he and George have a long relationship. They get along. They, they've worked together before. Uh, they would probably be in sync. So then it's like, okay, well, then we'll keep George. And I, I don't think that's a, you know, willy-nilly way to look at it. I think that's just the smart way to go about it. 
of you can always replace your GM in a month. You don't have to do it right now. Uh, so I don't, I think it's a flip of a coin if he's the GM after the draft, he'll probably survive till then. Um, maybe it'll happen once they name a, a new head coach, but, uh, do I think he's a, a lock to be the, the GM in the 2023 season? Not by any means. I think it's a flip of a coin at best. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas city. KC sports network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. You look at this job and kind of what it entails, this opening um, it doesn't, it's not very attractive. It's not a very attractive job for a lot of up and coming coaches, a, a young guns. Maybe it looks like maybe a, a guy or, or a coach who wants to retread the tires. Who wants a, who, a guy who can, um, maybe get back in, in a head coaching game. Eric B is a name that's been thrown out there. Uh, Leslie Frazier possibly as a one as well. Who are guys in, in Denver? Who are you guys kind of talking about as, as that vacant head coach opening? Yeah, and everybody seems to be thinking it's going to be somebody with previous coaching experience. So the, the big four probably are Harbaugh, Sean Payton, uh, Dan Quinn, Frank Reich. Those are the, the four that come up a lot. Leslie Frazier falls into that category. There also is this notion that, hey, this is really the new ownership group's first big decision, right? That yeah. they want to make a splash. They weren't even here for the Russell Wilson trade. Now, they were the ones that signed him to the big contract, but – They'd they'd been the owners for a week at that point. So that was more George Payton just saying, hey, this is what we got to do, and then signing off on it. This is their first big move, so uh, I I think it'll be a splash. You know, they they have basically endless resources. They could write a check to Sean Payton for whatever he wants. I, I get why I think from the outside people look at it and say, hey, this isn't a very attractive job. I think it's more attractive than people think. Um, I think the fact that you have an ownership group that it's the wealthiest owner in the NFL. So resources aren't going to be a problem. Um, You know, there are only 32 of these. There may only be three openings, right? Right now it's Indianapolis, Carolina, Denver. 
Well, Carolina might keep Steve Wilkes. He's been pretty good, especially if they make the playoffs. Arizona could come open, right? Cliff Kingsbury right. could be out there. But it's hard to come up with another opening. Now, there could be the right. weird ones. McVay may retire. Belichick could retire. Tomlin could walk away in, in Pittsburgh. Who knows? But we could have three openings. That makes the job really attractive because, yeah. uh, you know, there, there's not a lot of chairs there when the music stops. So, And I do think there are going to be some people who are going to look at it and say, Russell Wilson can be fixed. You can find mm-hmm. stretches of the season where he was really darn good. Was it for a full game? No. But he had an 11 out of 12 first half in Vegas against the Raiders. He was 10 of 10 in the first quarter against the Chargers. Again, you got to have a bigger sample size than that when you're supposedly a future Hall of Fame quarterback. But it's not as though he's completely lost it. The Broncos have to find out, was it a Hackett problem or a Wilson problem? Yeah. Right. And, and it's the old scientific method. You got to change one variable at a time so you can figure out what the problem was. Hackett was the easier thing to change. They, they owe Russell Wilson a lot of money. Um, it, you can find head coaches. You can't always find quarterbacks. So I think there's going to be plenty of people out there who look at it and say, hey, storied franchise, deep pockets, and a quarterback that I can come in and fix and be the hero. I think it's a more attractive job than people think. I think it's very fair. Um, sometimes you just look at it from just the surface level of what well, you now owe Russell Wilson 270 or so million dollars and you, you're kind of pigeonholed into that playing this guy. Uh, you can look at it that way or you can look at it the way that you're looking at it of just the, the resources and everything because I didn't even think about the ownership group being as wealthy as they are. Um, yeah, I think that's, if, that's a good angle. If you look at it and say, hey, Russ is cooked, he can't play, then yeah, it's, it's not a very good job because – you can cut him, but you're going to have a $40 million and a $60 million cap hit the next two years. So you're signing up for fighting with one, maybe two arms tied behind your back <laughs> out of the gate, which uh, does not make it very attractive. So, yeah, that's the big question. And, and look, I've been a defender of Russ, but on Christmas, he was terrible. I mean, that's yeah. just as bad as I've seen a quarterback play. So at some point, you know, you, you got to be honest about it, even if you're a defender of him. And there are a lot of things – he's been doing this year that he needs to get away from of, you know, having his own office, having six parking spots, you know, his entourage is walking around the facility all the time. He has his own quarterbacks coach. Like how is that going to work when the Broncos coach is selling one thing and his own quarterbacks coach is selling another thing? Like it just doesn't work. So whoever it is has to come in and say, Hey Russ, you're one of 53. Here's your locker. Here's your quarterback's room go be a player and stop being a executive, a coach or whatever else you think you are. Cause, uh, cause it's not working. Yeah. I heard that that was kind of the big thing is he couldn't connect. You've heard stories, even when he was in Seattle about wanting to go grab wine and sushi, not grab beers with the boys is kind of just a little disconnect there uh, with Russell Wilson. Um, but I do think, I, I, to your point, I do think that there is still something left in Russell Wilson. I don't think Russell Wilson is completely gone. You just got to get the uh, number one, the right system, the right guy to get it out of him, everything uh, of that nature. But let's talk about this matchup um, because on the, on the field, uh, this matchup is probably not going to be the most exciting matchup on Sunday. It, it probably won't be. And there's going to be a game that the Chiefs fans are probably more attached to on on Monday when it comes to the to the uh, to the Bengals and the Bills playing on Monday night. They're going to have their attention to that game. Chiefs still have to take care of business against the Broncos. What are kind of, I don't want to say expectations, but what, what's something that you're looking for in this game, maybe matchup-wise, on the field, off the field, whatever it is, what's something you're looking for in this matchup? Well, I think one of the main things is, and again, it's that moral victory game from a couple of weeks ago, 
but I am interested interested to see. Well, what was more real reality? Was it the twenty seven nothing deficit the Broncos were in when Travis Kelsey's laughing on the bench, or was it the fact that they outscored him what twenty eight to seven after that? Yeah. And if Russell Wilson hadn't gotten hurt, right? He got hurt going in to cut it to thirty four twenty eight. The Broncos got the ball back twice after that, but Brett Rippon couldn't move it. It was six plays and they were done. If they get it back with Russell Wilson and the way he had moved it in four consecutive drives, who knows what happens, right? Like, you know, it's easier said than done, but at least it would have been interesting. So for me, it's like, well, which of those was closer to reality? I think it's the 27 to nothing. I, I think the Chiefs took their foot off the gas, and we've all watched enough sports that once a team does that, it's kind of hard to get it going again. And they were hanging on for dear life at the end. But um, I, I think that's a, an interesting thing. Broncos have had trouble covering tight ends and particularly Travis Kelsey for years. Last week, Tyler Higby looked like Travis Kelsey against, uh, against the Broncos. So, you know, how many yards and how many touchdowns will he go off for? And then can they find some way to contain Patrick Mahomes? They've had a pretty good defense this year. Their pass rush hasn't been great, but the last game they did force them into three picks in the second half. Um, Mm -hmm. That helped the Broncos get back into the game. So, can they contain him and or force him into mistakes? I'm, I wouldn't bet on it, but those are the things heading into the game that I'm looking for. Some really phenomenal plays from uh, Josie Chul, I believe, is who made two of those interceptions. He played really well. A couple of the throws, too. Patrick Mahomes just missed on, made great plays by the by the Broncos' defense. I still think the Broncos' defense is really good. Um, and from the Chiefs' point of view, a lot of fans focused on the 28 points that they allowed that the chiefs defense allowed. And they said, well, that's the most that the Broncos have scored in so-and-so games or mostly scored all year. I can't remember what it was up to that point. Um, most but then you most, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> then you flip to the other side of the coin and it chiefs score 34. That's the most that the Broncos had given up all year on that, on the defense. So there's two sides of the coin, obviously, as you can look at it. Um, I am curious to see too, kind of uh, how the, how the chiefs play from the chiefs point of view, they're playing two teams now in this last part of the the schedule that have nothing to play for. Uh, that they only can play spoiler if they want to. And in the Broncos' case, why would they even want to play spoiler? That doesn't do that. Doesn't benefit them uh, at all. I guess to end the streak that they have, the 14 straight game win streak um, for the Chiefs. But that's that's kind of one thing I'm looking at is is just can the Chiefs just play clean? As you mentioned, the three interceptions. That was a weird game for Patrick Mahomes. It was a weird game for the Chiefs' offense, and they were kind of out of sync. They had, they didn't have Kadarius Tony. They didn't have McCole Hardman. They're going to get hopefully both of those guys back on the Chiefs' side of the ball. But I think that that's kind of the big thing that Chiefs Kingdom look is looking at is is cleaning everything up, being healthy, getting out of there with the win. Yeah, and you know you, you see this a lot with teams in in various sports. Teams that perennially go deep in the playoffs at times. They almost seem a little bored with the regular season, right? So if it's not the Bills or it's not Sunday night football or something to kind of get their attention, maybe they're a little bit lacking in concentration, right? Like, so you're the noon time slot, hardly anybody's watching. You're playing a Broncos team that is circling the drain. Maybe they take them lightly, but like, that's the point the Broncos have gotten to. You have to hope for something like that. We did see it though. Once they were up 27 to nothing, I don't think Mahomes makes those mistakes if it's a close game, if he's totally dialed in. That turned into a laugher, and he's just out there, you know, having fun and kind of trying to make some plays. And, you know, he had the highlight. I think it was Jarek McKinnon that he had the highlight throw to that turned into a touchdown. 
he was just trying to, you know, see if he could get on Sports Center twice instead of once. And I think that's a lot of why those those uh, mistakes happen. So maybe maybe there's a little bit of overlooking going on. But the Broncos literally have nothing to play for, right? They're, they don't have a yeah. young quarterback they can play. If Ijaro Evero had accepted the head coaching job, maybe that defense is looking at it like, hey, let's go out and uh, let's go out and ball out, and maybe we can help Ijaro get this job. We love this guy. It's Jerry Rosberg. He's a guy who wasn't even here at the start of the season. He's uh, it doesn't really interact a lot with the players. He's in charge of game management stuff, so he's up in the booth and he's you know doing math, as he said today during his press conference. Um, so there's not even that of like, let's win one for, for Jerry, you know, that ain't happening. So there really is like no motivation for the Broncos in this other than, Hey, you're a pro you play for pride and you want to put it on tape. We'll see what that translates into. I just looked uh, at our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. They have the chiefs listed as 12 and a half point favorites. If you were a betting man, James, where are you putting your money? I would take the chiefs minus the 12 and a half. Now, the fear would be some sort of backdoor cover, yeah. but there'll be two touchdowns up for most of that game. We did see it kind of last week as well with, with the Chiefs on the Chiefs side of things where they only allowed three points uh, to the Seattle Seahawks. They allowed a touchdown. Uh, they still ended up covering, obviously, but they allowed a touchdown to the Seahawks and, and Geno Smith late in that game, which made the score look a little closer than 24 to three instead of 24 to 10. But uh, we'll see. Um, another divisional game. Everybody thought, man, this division was going to be a little bit more competitive than it was. Kind of, kind of disappointing. You know, as a, kind of from a Chiefs fan's perspective, you know, I want the division to be close and competitive. That's a lot more fun when you're when you've got these games sure. all the time. Um, you know, I mean, I know you're bored. You're bored with winning the division every year. Exactly. It's <laughs> what was it? I think it was seven straight this year. It's just like, you know, we, we beat the Chargers twice. The Chargers didn't even give us a give us a run for it. And yeah, it's. Uh, well, it, it, you you said it. People in Kansas City are more interested this week in Buffalo and Cincinnati because yeah. that's turned into into their two rivals. That's that's the team that you know they had the great the great game against the Bills last year in the playoffs. They get upset by the Bengals. Those are the two teams that, if you're being realistic about it, could stand between the Chiefs and the Super Bowl. That's what's turned into the rivals because nobody in the division, even the Chargers, nobody in the division it has even given them a, a scare. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been disappointing. Certainly been disappointing from our side, that's for sure. Enjoy that's gonna it be interesting. We were this way when we had Manning. Enjoy it while you can. That's what that's what we gotta we gotta take it back and and take in the everything we got about Mahomes. I heard this stat early. We had a show. We have a show called Ten Things. B.J. Kissel, the owner of a founder of our company, gives basically ten stat nuggets about from like the previous games uh, from the Chiefs PR department. Patrick Mahomes holds the top four seasons in passing yards already. And he's in his fifth season technically because he started the last game of his yep. uh, rookie year for the Broncos. Insane um, to think about just, it's kind of sad to think about in some regards of like the chiefs haven't had a quarterback to have, you know, that good numbers in a long time, but Patrick Mahomes killing it right now. Front runner for the MVP. Who, do you think he's a front runner for MVP? I, mean, I want to get an outsider's perspective on it. Cause obviously in Kansas city, we think he's the MVP. We've heard some Joe Burrow chatter that he could kind of backdoor his way in, especially if he has a big game against Cincinnati or against the bills. He, ha you know, goes 300, three touchdowns, beats the bills, beats the chiefs in the same breath. You could say that he could be the MVP, especially with nine straight wins in the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Mahomes is the favorite. I think part of it will be determined by which of those three teams gets the number one seed, yeah. right? Like, 
if the Bengals get the number one seed and after starting 0-2, then Joe Burrow's got to be, you know, at the top of the list, unless Mahomes ends up with numbers that are just so crazy that you can't ignore it. He breaks, you know, Peyton Manning's yardage record or something like that. Um, if, if the Bills end up at number one and Josh Allen has a great last couple of games, he could springboard back in there. So not trying to dodge the question, but if I had a vote, I would probably pick the quarterback that out of those three teams, and they're, they're the three best teams in football, with all due yeah. respect to the Eagles, if you're the quarterback that's able to get the number one seed in the AFC, I think you're the MVP. It's going to be interesting. I think Jalen Hurts was had a very good conversation to be the MVP before he got hurt. Uh, Patrick Mahomes putting up a, a very good statistical year, something uh, that we haven't seen probably since 2018 when he put up wild statistics in 20, 2018 that probably won't be replicated. But good to get an, uh, an outside perspective on the MVP race because we sometimes get so trapped in this echo chamber of Patrick Mahomes should be uh, the MVP. I think the Joe Burrow discussion is very interesting about just kind of taking his team nine straight wins. He's obviously, if he does beat the Bills, he would have beat both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, two other guys in that MVP conversation. So I think that's kind of a big kind of swinging point for him. It's a very narrative and, you know, a driven award. You got to have narratives going into it. I know we talk about Russell Wilson specifically. Um, When he was with the Seahawks, we talk a lot about Russ has never received an MVP vote, but he's been so good. It's a good front half of the year is always what Russell Wilson would have. And then back half when the narratives start to take over, other guys would outperform him or he just wouldn't have the narrative to carry him there. So that's going to be really interesting to see, especially in these last two games of the season where the Chiefs don't play anybody. They don't play anybody that's going to be tough for them. They play two division rivals, but those two division rivals have seemingly given up on their season. Well, and they're buried on the, again, not to keep harping on the fact that they're the noon game, but they're buried in that slot. Everybody's watching the Bills and the, and the Bengals. So if one of those quarterbacks goes out and throws for 350 and four touchdowns, that's going to change perspective. The other part of it is, and I, I don't mean this disrespectful to Joe Burrow, but it's a little bit like when Charles Barkley and Carl Malone won the MVP instead of Michael Jordan. It's like right. you, both of them were worthy of it based on their numbers and their teams had really good years. And it was also the fatigue of, gosh, it's this guy every year. So, okay, the Suns lead the league in wins. Let's give it to Charles. Everybody knows Jordan was better than Barkley that year. We saw it in the finals. But it could be a little bit of that, too, of like, hey, it's been a lot of Patrick Mahomes. Not that he's won as many as Jordan, but you know what I'm saying. Of like, hey, fresh blood, guy from the Bengals. When's the last time a Bengal won MVP? And it's a little bit more fun to write that name on your ballot. Absolutely. And I think one of the conversations that we had, too, is when you look at the when you look at the, you know, the Hertz ballots, there's going to be a lot of people who have Jalen Hurts up top or who have Joe Burrow up top or have Josh Allen up top. But number two on all those ballots is probably going to be Patrick Mahomes. They went to the right. to the point system now. So it's it's looking like I mean, Vegas has them as minus 500 favorite uh, to win the MVP. A lot of those ballots are going to come back and, and the points are going to be. Uh, to Patrick Mahomes, looking at his uh, regular season passing yards right now, 4,720. It was a conversation at the beginning of the year that maybe he could – he started off on a blazing hot pace. That he ever had to average like 320 yards a game for the rest of the season. There was like eight or nine games left, and he would have breaking, broken that uh, that Peyton Manning record. But it looks like he's going to be off the pace of that. He's got to play two incredible games. Um, well, <laughs> and he also has an extra game, too. He's so. got an extra game, too. Like, yeah. to me, he would need to break it this week for it to be right. a hit. 
Right, right. Uh, so we'll see how that all goes. Uh, James, I appreciate you hopping on, talking some Chiefs Broncos with me. No, it's not the most exciting game that's on the on the uh, the week. What is it? Week seventeen now schedule. Yeah. Um, but uh, nevertheless, I'm glad you joined me. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. Anytime. All right, that is going to do it for today's episode of KCSN Update. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and the like button if you're watching this on YouTube. Follow us wherever you're listening to the audio platforms. Leave us a five-star rating and review if you do feel so inclined. Those really do help us out. So on Friday, BJ Kissel will be back with Trevor Sigma from Pro Football Focus getting his three key matchups uh, for this game. I'm excited to see what Trevor has to say from that. So until then, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.